Shalom, my friends. I have a treat for you. Welcome to the By His Grace podcast. This is Misty Phillip, and I am so honored you are listening to the By His Grace podcast today. I want to start off today's episode with a question. Have y'all seen this TV series, The Chosen, yet? If you haven't, stop listening to this podcast right now and go download the app for The Chosen, clear your calendar, and binge watch The Chosen until you are caught up. Now, if you have watched The Chosen, um, then you are in for a treat today. Before I announce who today's guest is, I am pleased to share that today's episode is brought to you by the Spark Media Conference, where we are changing the world one podcast at a time. The Spark Media Conference is taking place at the NRB Media Convention this year, and we will honor the best in faith-based podcasting. So today I am honored to welcome Rabbi Jason Sobel to the By His Grace podcast. You may recognize him from The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi by Kathy Lee Gifford, or as one of three advisors to The Chosen. He is also the host of The Chosen Unveiled. Listen in to our fascinating conversation today on By His Grace. Rabbi Jason Sobel, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I am so excited that you are here with me today. Shalom and so excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to start at the beginning and you growing up um, in a Jewish home in New Jersey. Tell our audience what that was like. Yeah, I grew up in a you know traditional Jewish family in New Jersey, went to Hebrew school as a child, celebrated all the Jewish holidays, had my bar mitzvah, being Jewish was really important growing up as a kid. And uh, I was working in a large recording studio in New York City, pursuing fame and fortune, looked at all the lives of these people around me, said there has to be more to life than just this began a spiritual journey, uh, was studying with my rabbi, but also studying yoga. And one day I was meditating and my soul began to vibrate and it left my body. And I went into heaven and I saw this king on this throne and I had this encounter, a supernatural encounter. And I knew this king on this throne was Jesus, as he renamed Yeshua. I felt the power of God. He told me I was called to serve him. The next thing I know is back in my body running around saying, I'm called to serve him. My mom's like, you're called to serve who? Jesus, we're (laughs) Jewish for crying out loud. But uh, so with that encounter, I knew he was real. And then my best friend uh, came to faith and he called me on the telephone. He said, Jason, can you tell the difference between the New and Old Testament? You went to Hebrew school. I said, sure. He read me this passage. He was bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities by his stripes were healed. I said, clearly that's the New Testament. It's talking about Jesus. He said, no, that's Isaiah 53, the Jewish prophet speaking 700 years. And he began to provoke me to jealousy and eventually uh, got kind of tricked into faith at a messianic Shabbat Friday night service by Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm interested. How did your family take it? Because I know that um, that must have been a, a surprise uh, to them when you became a, a follower of Yeshua. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I 
came to know the Lord, they gave me the first New Testament I'd ever seen. Uh, having New Testament was worse than pornography. I hid it in my bedroom. God forbid my parents should find it. And uh, of course, my mom did find it. She's like, what is this that I found in your room? Don't tell me come one of those Jews who believe in Jesus. I need you to do something like this one day and break my heart. You joined a cult. Go meet with the rabbi. So I had to go get my, my Hebrew Bible out and kind of what are all the promises and prophecies of the Messiah that point to him. And that kind of is what led me down this journey of connecting the old and the new, which is what we do in, in our books like mysteries of the Messiah, but that kind of is how it all began. That's amazing. Well, now I'm, I want to ask you, how did you become a spiritual advisor for the chosen? I, I watched the behind the scenes. I've watched all of your unveiled, um, which is phenomenal, by the way. And um, it, it, but in one of the behind the scenes, I saw that there are three spiritual advisors. So I want to know how you became involved in that project. Yeah, I was one of the original spiritual advisors. In fact, before the series even uh, before they even ra- raised any money to do the series, I had a mutual. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Matthew, who uh, introduced me to Dallas, and we connected. And they're like, "Yes, we want some. We want to make this Jewishly historical, historical, accurate, biblical accuracy." And uh, they'd never been to Israel, so before as they were looking to crowdfund and do everything for the show, we took Dallas and some of the key people to Israel, went to a lot of the spots that was going to be portrayed in the chosen, made a number of videos. So that's kind of where it all began. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So tell me what's so unique about the chosen. I mean, there's so many things that are unique about the chosen, but one of the things that I personally love about the chosen is that it takes a different look at the life of Jesus than many of the other portrayals of him. You know, in in the movies that are made, it's usually about the divine Jesus. It's kind of this ethereal, esoteric individual. What I love about the Jesus as portrayed by Jonathan in The Chosen is that he's a very down-to-earth, he's very human, very fun to be around. You can really relate to him. And I love how the chosen really focuses on how on the lives of the individuals who encounter Jesus and get transformed in the process. So I love that focus on the transformation and what happens when people encounter him, which is, I think is really unique. Of course, it's the only multi-season, multi-episode series done on the life of Jesus and the disciples. So that's unique and most successfully crowdfunded media project ever secular or faith-based over a hundred million views on it. So just incredible impact. Yeah. And, and it's just so well done. Um, You know, we binged watch season one and I, I don't think my husband and I, our eyes were dry at all. I mean, it just is breathtaking and um, we couldn't wait for season two to come out. And so we're enjoying that and looking forward to episode four and we, um, and, and, and going forward, it's just um, unlike anything, but we, my husband was actually uh, sharing the gospel with somebody the other day. And he said, have you seen the chosen? You have to see the chosen. And the guy was kind of like, uh, like, 
I don't want to watch another Jesus movie. Like I've kind of seen Jesus movies and I know what they're about. And he was like, you don't understand. This is not your typical Jesus television series. You have to watch it. So we're excited to, to get to share it. So I want to know how um, you working on The Chosen, how has it changed your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's just been an amazing opportunity. I mean, I think, again, I personally like watching the TV show. I personally get impacted by it. I mean, probably the greatest thing is the impact that it's had on my kids. Uh, in fact, they, they've loved it. It's impacted their lives. Um, what's amazing is that their school found out about it through kind of my relationship and they created a curriculum around it uh, for the school. So it's impacted their friends as well. And so it's just been incredible from that regard. And I've just loved also some of the personal relationships that have developed with some of the people involved in The Chosen. Uh, it's great. I have I've become good friends with Jonathan Rumi who plays Jesus. And so we had him over for pa our Passover that we did in our home this year. And my son turns to me and says, dad, I love you, but it's a little weird that you're leading the Passover and Jesus is sitting at the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great story. And Jonathan is, <laughs> is awesome. And one of the, my favorite things that Jonathan said to me when I interviewed him last year, kind of off um, camera, he said, you can't play this character and it not affect you. And then yeah. I heard him say that in the behind the scenes. And um, yeah, he's a really cool dude. So that's awesome. Okay, now I want to shift the conversation a little bit. I want to know what you would like the world to know about Messianic Jews. Yeah, I mean, I think Messianic Jews have historically been very misunderstood. I think I want the world to know that uh, the most Jewish thing you can do is believe in Jesus. And that that this idea of uh, living a life that honors the Jewish heritage and tradition, as well as embracing Yeshua, Jesus faith, uh, was the way it was in the very beginning. That's that's how Jesus lived. That's how the disciples live. And really, the Messianic movement is a return to the way it was in the beginning. And I believe something that is spiritually important to prepare the way for his return. Yeah, that's amazing. My husband and I have uh, visited a local messianic temple and we were fascinated by all of the dancing. There was a lot of dancing going on, which was a lot of fun. And um, just when they took the Torah out and the scrolls and, yeah. and read from it. And another thing, which maybe you can explain this to me because I didn't ask at the time, but the prayer shawl, when when they cover their heads to pray, can can like people were covering their family. Can you uh, share with me what that's all about? Yeah, I mean, so there's a there's a commandment in the scriptures from the book of Numbers that you'll put tassels known as seat seat on the corners of your garment, and they are to be a reminder uh, to not stray after your heart and after your eyes, but to follow the Lord and obey His commandments. So, and in part of fulfilling that. Uh, commandment in the in the Torah, Jewish people, Jewish men, especially when they pray during the morning prayers, wear what's known as a talit or prayer shawl. And uh, it's, you know, and oftentimes when you're praying, you'll put it over uh, your head. It's kind of a reminder that God is surrounding you, uh, that he is your covering. And a lot of times when you say, when you say the priestly blessing in particular, which is from Numbers chapter uh, six, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, it's traditional to wrap your family in it or cover your family in it to symbolize God's blessing and protection over you and your family that he's kind of your covering. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, now I'm going to shift gears a little bit. In your book, Mysteries of Messiah, you highlight connections that have been hidden from non-Jewish eyes. Give us an example of how understanding the Hebrew text sheds light on the Holy Scriptures. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much that is there. And, you know, one example of that is obviously the symbol of Christianity is the cross. And a lot of Christians don't even ask the question of all the ways Jesus could have died. Why did he have to die on the cross? Well, think about it for a moment. How did sin enter the world? The first man and woman stole from a tree. So God put back on the tree for you and me to reverse and undo what they did. Why was Jesus' hands pierced? Because it was our hands that stole from the tree. Why was his side pierced? Because Eve, the one that led Adam into the temptation, was taken from the side. So he's also making an atonement for for the first woman as well as the first man. And his feet are pierced. Why? Because what's the first messianic prophecy that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent? Satan's the original OG, the original gangster. He's like, you think you're going to crush my head? I'm going to nail your feet to a tree and let's see what you're going to do now. He thought he was foiling the plan of God, but he didn't realize he was actually fulfilling it. Then I love Jesus had a crown of thorns on his head. Why a crown of thorns? Because what's the sign of the curse of creation? The ground will produce thorns and thistles. So he's literally taking the curse of creation on his head to reverse it and to restore the blessing. Yeah. Wow. That's so, so rich. And I know I attend a a biblical literacy uh, Bible study class with a a man named Mark Lanier who owns the the Lanier Theological Library. And um, our kids go to the class with us and it was great because he taught us um, Hebrew. Um, which I still like just the alphabet and trying to, you know, take us back to the Hebrew words. And um, it's a little confusing to me. Greek's a little bit easier, which is kind of funny. You know, most people say (laughs) it's Greek to me. Um, But I think because it's backwards and and all of the things. But um, yeah, I've learned so much just digging into into the text and into the original language. So I can't wait to read your your book on Messiah. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you if you could sit down with one of your Jewish brothers and sisters around the world, what is one thing that you would want them to know? Yeah, I mean, I think that my heart's desire would that would be for all for all the Jewish people, all of Israel to understand that Yeshua is the promised Messiah of the Hebrew scriptures. That in, in traditional Judaism, there's this idea of of two comings of the Messiah. Well, there's an idea of two Messiahs, the suffering servant known as the Messiah, son of Joseph, and the Messiah that's going to rule and reign, the son of David. And to understand that there's not two Messiah, there's not two Messiahs, but there's two aspects in two comings of the Messiah. The first time he came as the son of Joseph. So it's like Joseph in the Old Testament, who was uh, rejected by his brothers, stripped of his tunic, sold for silver, thrown into a pit, falsely accused, then elevated to the second most powerful position in all of Egypt. That's like the first coming of the Messiah. He was stripped of his clothing, sold for silver, rejected, and elevated to the right hand of the Father, uh, seated at his right hand. At the first coming, well, think about it for a moment. The first time the brothers came down to Egypt, they didn't recognize Joseph. It was only the second time that they came down to Egypt that Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and his brothers understood who he truly was. And I believe that's what we're going to see. Just like the brothers' eyes were open to to Joseph, not the first time, but only the second time. So I believe there's coming a season now where the eyes of the Jewish people are going to be open. He came the first time as a suffering servant, as the lamb, but he's returning as the son of David, as the line of the tribe of Judah. And uh, it's important to understand what he did for us to bring our redemption. Yeah. 
Okay, so now on the flip side of that, if you could sit down with uh, one of your uh, Gentile Christian brothers and sisters, what would you want them to know? Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing with the story of Joseph is that the the brothers didn't recognize Joseph because he walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. We've made Jesus into an Egyptian. We've made him unrecognizably who he was in his historical context. We've stripped him of his Jewishness. We've The church has been in large part stripped of its Jewish roots. And I believe that by restoring the Jewish roots to the faith, it not only uh, enriches Everyone, every Christian who would understand the Jewish roots of faith, it's like seeing the Bible in high definition. It's like, do you want to, you know, I'll never forget right before the Super Bowl, I went out a number of years ago and bought a high definition television. I was like, this isn't so great. And at the end, I'm flipping through the channels and I have a realization, the high definition channels are the higher channels. I watched the whole game in standard definition. So when you see the Jewish roots, you see the Bible in high definition. But I believe also it's part of what God is going to use to provoke Jewish people to jealousy, which is in turn is keyed for the preparation of the second coming of the Messiah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation with you today. Um, I'm going to put the links to The Chosen and to your books and to your organization. And I just want to thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and about The Chosen and your book. So thank you so much. Hey, Shalom, Shalom. It's great being here with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Could I have, could I ask you to close us with, uh, with a blessing to the people? Yeah. I just bless you with the high priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Philip, and I would love to connect with you there. 